there is a great line, one of my favorites in the critically acclaimed instant classic, Legally Blonde. <laughs> if, you don't, if you don't know the story, uh, Reese Witherspoon plays this character and she is uh, convinced that her boyfriend, uh, upon a graduation, is about to propose to her. So she's getting all of the, those kinds of plans ready. But instead, her boyfriend breaks up with her. Spoiler alert, it's an old movie. Um, so he says, you know, I'm going to Harvard Law School, so I'm leaving all of this in the past, um, including you. And so she uh, comes up with this plan to win back her boyfriend. And that's going to include going to Harvard Law School. Only when you get to know her character, she's not the kind of person that goes to Harvard Law School. And so she... Conduct, com, comes up with this plan, and lo and behold, spoiler alert, she gets into Harvard Law School. And there's this scene of her first day of class, and she's going, she's going to class, and she sees her ex-boyfriend, and he's very confused why she is in Boston to, for, to see her there. And he says, are you here for me? She said, no, I, I go here. He says, you got into Harvard Law School? And she says, what, like it's hard? And I, and I think that it is hard, right? I mean, have you ever met someone from Harvard Law School? I'm assuming that I have never, because I would guess that they talk about it all the time. That every, every conversation they have involves, you know, I went to Harvard Law School. I mean, if it were me, that's how it would be. Where do you want to go eat lunch? Well, when I was at Harvard Law School, I really loved... Because we would talk about it, wouldn't we? In fact, you and I do this. We do this with, with other accomplishments in our life, things that we should be proud of. Let me say, you should, there are things that you should be proud of. And we talk about our accomplishments, but what we'll learn today from today's text is that your accomplishments can only take you so far. So if you have your Bible with you today, go ahead and turn over to Philippians chapter 3. Hey, if you're new here with us today, I'm so glad that you're here for worship this morning. My name is Kale, one of the ministers here, and we really are a family, and we're happy that you are, are here with us as a family, or maybe you're online with us for the first time, but this is one family that we are glad you're part of. And as Kyle mentioned earlier, this is such an important time for us as the family of God, but this church family wants you to take a next step. We have things going on all the time. Kyle mentioned some of them that went on yesterday, that things that we want you uh, to be involved further, to use the gifts and talents that God has given you. One of the key parts of our mission here is that you will connect with other people on the journey. So we have lots of ways that you can connect as well. One of those ways was yesterday. He mentioned the big event. And I just wanted to brag on Crosspoint just for a second here. Late last week, uh, there had some groups drop out. They had projects that were left unattended. And the big event called Crosspoint. And I, and I think we should be flattered by that. Because there was work that needed to be done. And they said, who will do this work? Who will answer this call? And this church has built the reputation that they called you, church. And so you should be proud of that. We should be proud that that people know the kind of church that this is. And so Crosspoint was represented well yesterday with that. And I want you to, to know that the mission we're engaged in here is being noticed by those in our community. Later this week, we're going to have our fajita fest. And this might on the outside just look like coming together to eat fajitas and, and have some fun in an auction. But what it really represents is transformation opportunities through camp and through mission trips for our teens. So when you go there, yes, you might love fajitas as I do, but you're doing it for a bigger, higher purpose. 
So we're, we're so thankful, and Matt would want me to know that there's, there's a lot, want me to tell you, there's lots of ways to still volunteer for that, I'm sure. You can see Matt, raise your hand. You can see Matt after service, yeah. And also, guys, this next weekend is our men's conference, and it is going to be a great time. Listen, you're not going to miss the Final Four, I promise you. We will, we're, it's a Friday night, Saturday morning event. The Final Four games are Saturday afternoon next week, so you won't miss that. Um, wives, moms here in the room, they'll have plenty of time to mow the yard still, do whatever else you need them to do. But couldn't you use a Friday night with the husband somewhere else? So send them, send them, send them up here this Friday and Saturday evening. Again, these are all ways we want you to take a next step to be involved a little deeper here at Crosspoint. We're at week three of our sermon series called Messy. We're in the book of Philippians, as I mentioned, and this is, uh, this is going to be chapter three today. We've been talking about what's been going on at this church and how it relates to our lives as well. Just as a reminder, this is written by the Apostle Paul. He wrote about half of your New Testament, and Paul helped to found this, to establish this church at Philippi. Paul writes this letter from prison, though. And I, I do wonder sometimes, I read this letter, and I wonder what a, a letter would read like for me if I was in prison. Um, if I was writing a letter to people that I cared about, what would it sound like? I don't know that it would sound like Philippians, if I'm being completely honest with you this morning. Paul has this joy still. He has this confidence and this hope, even though he finds himself in a difficult situation. People are proud to be from Philippi. People often ended up there that served in the Roman military. So they had a pride about themselves, about Rome, and about their city, and it impacted their culture there. And so we're going to read some of that today. Uh, You might say that they had a lot of accomplishments. They had things to be proud of, and Paul is going to address those uh, in chapter 3 today. So if you have your Bible with you, we'll be in chapter 3, starting in verse 1. All the text will be on the screens as well. This is how it reads, Further, my brothers and sisters, rejoice in the Lord. It is no trouble for me to write the same things to you again, and it is a safeguard for you. Watch out for those dogs, those evildoers, those mutilators of the flesh. For it is we who are the circumcision, we who serve God by his spirit, who boast in Christ Jesus, and who put no confidence in the flesh. You know, one of the things I love about how this text starts, how this section starts, is he says, rejoice in the Lord always. And I'm reminded today that... Having a posture of worship will help you overcome many things in life, whether you're in prison or elsewhere. Having this posture of rejoicing in the Lord, of being thankful, and keeping your heart set on that will help you no matter what's going on in your life. Whether you find yourself in prison, whether life has been hard, sickness, job loss, whatever the case may be, having this heart of worship, of rejoicing in the Lord, and again, this is written by someone in prison, But as we continue reading here, you might be a little bit confused. What are we talking about? Paul, what are you talking about? What are these dogs you mentioned? And some of you dog fans are like, what kind of dogs is he talking about here? It seems that there are people in Philippi who are very proud of a few things. Some of them are proud about their Jewish heritage. They're proud that they were raised in a Jewish household, Jewish family. And those people might still be Jewish. They might also be in the church. You also probably have some people in this church who became Jewish as an adult and now have adopted Christ, but they've been through some things. They've, They've checked some religious boxes, and because of it, they have some pride. They have something 
something that they want to boast about. So Paul says, watch out for those dogs, or the text might literally read, beware them dogs. Which again, is surprising that you might hear that today, but this is a common derogatory term for Jews. And Paul flips it on them, and he throws it right back in their face. In fact, even in other places in the New Testament, you read this. Even Jesus tells a story um, with a person, with a Gentile woman, and he says, we don't give scraps of food to the dogs. And she says, even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall on the ground. And he, he praises her for her faith. And so this is, a, this is common language that Paul is throwing back in their face, and he'll continue that. He says, the, those mutilators of the flesh. See, some of these people have been through the, the right, the passage of circumcision, even as an adult, and they're proud of it. He says, you put pride in this, and really all you're doing is mutilating yourself. You are a mutilator of the flesh. The word in Greek sounds a lot like the word for circumcision. It's a pun. It's something they're putting pride in, and he is saying, this is not something to put pride in. This is not something to hang your hat on. You're just a mutilator of the flesh. He's saying anyone that goes through this outward conversion without having a change of heart, if your heart doesn't change, then it was all for nothing. You must have an inward conversion that matches the outside. In fact, it reminds me of something that Jesus says. I think Paul probably learned this from Jesus over in Luke chapter 18. This is what Jesus says. To some who are confident of their own righteousness and look down on everybody else. That sounds like the same circumstance, doesn't it? Jesus told this parable. Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood by himself and prayed, God, I thank you I'm not like those others. Other people, robbers, evildoers, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week and give a tenth of all I get. But the tax collector stood at a distance. He wouldn't even look up to heaven, but beat his breast and said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. And here's Jesus' words. I tell you that this man, rather than the other, went home justified before God. For all who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. See, Jesus says, there's many reasons you think you have to be proud. Many things you think you have to stand on that put you above somebody else. And he says, none of that matters. None of that counts. It's not about lifting ourselves up. It's not about what we've done. It's about what God did. It's not about us. It's about him. In fact, when we try to lift ourselves up, we minimize the gift of grace that he's trying to offer all of us. See, some of us come, and we come with different resumes, with different lists of accomplishments. And before God, he sees us all the same. Because we couldn't earn it. You didn't deserve it. You didn't even know to ask for it. And he gave you this free gift anyways. And so we come to God, and he says, it doesn't matter what, what your earthly resume looks like. All of that is behind you. This pride seeps in, and it, and it inhibits us from living the life that we want to live to to being the kind of people we want to be. In fact, maybe, like me, your NCAA bracket is busted. I'm embarrassed to say how few teams I have, in, even in the Elite Eight. I mean, it's embarrassing. And maybe you heard about this team called St. Peter's. They play today. Many of you have been calling them St. Petersburg. That's a different channel on the news. But St. <laughs> Peter's, you may not even know where they're from. 
But they walked into their first round matchup against Kentucky, and you've probably heard of Kentucky basketball. Even if you're not a huge basketball fan, you've not only heard this story, but you might have even heard of Kentucky. They were big underdogs, one of the biggest underdogs in NCAA history. One team probably walked in with pride, sure of their accomplishments, sure of their resume, and they were beat, and they lost. St. Peter's was a was an underdog against Kentucky, against Murray State, against Purdue. They're an underdog today against North Carolina. But it's not about what you've done in the past. It's not about what your resume may say, your accomplishments. It's about who you, who God has created you to be. We don't walk in with pride about anything that we've done. It's all about what he has done. There's one thing that gets under Paul's skin the fastest. There are some places in scripture where he says, you know, there's an argument, but I'm not even going to engage with that. But there is one thing he will always engage with. And it's if you think that faith is Jesus plus anything else. There's a place in scripture that he says, it's not Jesus plus circumcision. It's not Jesus plus the work of angels in your life. It's not Jesus plus the law of Moses. It's only Jesus. You only need Jesus Christ in your life. That's all that it's about, church. It's not about your list of accomplishments, your abilities, the things that you've done in the past, the things that you will do in the future. It's about Jesus Christ and him crucified and you being with him. This is a battle that Paul does not run from, but that he will continue. But he says, if you want to talk about resumes, if you want to talk about the list, well, he says, let's let's have that argument. Verse 4. I myself have such reasons for confidence. If someone thinks they have reasons to put confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, in regards to the law, a Pharisee. As for zeal, persecuting the church. As for righteousness based on the law, faultless. And I think this list is really interesting. This is Paul's old list. This is who he was before he met Jesus. He's giving them his list. He says, if you want to play by those old Jewish rules, then let's play. Uh, You cannot match up with what I've done. You might find this list interesting. He was circumcised on the eighth day. Again, he's talking to people who might have come to Judaism as adults. He says, I've been there from the beginning. My family was there before I was there. You might have said the same thing before. I was raised like this. It's one of the reasons he says um, where he's from, a tribe of Benjamin. He knows his history. He knows his lineage when many people had forgotten it. A Hebrew of Hebrews means he probably spoke Hebrew in his home when many didn't anymore. One of the reasons your New Testament is written in Greek and not in Hebrew. They didn't speak that language anymore. Not only is he a Pharisee, Paul studied under one of the most famous rabbis in all of Israel. And he even airs his dirty laundry. As for zeal, I persecuted the church. He was the one putting other Christians to death. He says, if you want to match resumes, if you want to show resumes, you cannot equal what mine looks like. And then this is what he says. Whatever were gains to me, I consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ." Be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God on the basis 
of faith. This is Paul's legacy. This is his family. This is who he is. And by the way, these are not bad things. He was raised righteous according to God's old law. He was doing that which he knew to be best. And he did it better than anyone. He says, you know what? I'll put all of that down. What I don't want you to hear, he's not taking those things that are bad, those things that are worthless, the things that are the, the parts we want to keep hidden in our life. He's not taking those to Christ, though he does take those too. We do take those things to Christ, the things we don't want anyone else to know about, the things we're ashamed of. Christ redeems those. In this case, Paul is saying, all the reasons that I have to be proud of myself, all of the accomplishments, all of the good things, I consider them worthless. They're nothing. It's garbage. And that word garbage in, in all of your translations is probably a different word. It's a very, it's very strong language. Probably the, the strongest language that Paul can come up with in a church setting for the word dung. He wants you to know what he considers these, this, these accomplishments. All the things that you would be quick to put on your resume, it's nothing. It's worthless. Nothing is as valuable as knowing Christ Jesus, even the good things. We put all of those to the side to know Jesus. Christ surpasses everything that's of worth. And so the question for us this morning, church, is what are you striving for? What does your life, what in your life are you going for? And what are the things that you're trying to to lay claim to? The things you'd like to add to your resume? If you're taking notes this morning, maybe you jot down this question and to examine later. What would an audit of your life look like? If you were to to lay open your calendar truthfully, honestly, what would it say about your life? Where are you going? Where are you spending time? Who are you spending time with? And not just to you, what would that look like to your neighbors, to your coworkers? What, what would people see about you based on your calendar? What would it say to your kids? How and where you spend your time? Is it how you wanted to say it, to spend it? Or maybe even open up your finances and look and audit your finances. Not, you know, is my net worth growing? Are things going well or good? Is she spending money here or there? But to say, what does this reflect in my life? The way that I use and spend my money. What does it say? What do my neighbors see? What do my coworkers see? What do, again, my kids see? What are we striving for? And what do our lives look like to the outside world? What message are they seeing? You probably don't know this about me, but I love Olympic curling. In 2010, I'll never forget the Winter Olympics. Uh, For a lot of reasons, I got to watch a lot of the Winter Olympics that year, and that was the first time I can remember seeing curling. Um, And it's fun. It kind of looks like shuffleboard played on ice. And you also probably don't know this about me, but one of my biggest goals in life is to make the Olympics for the curling team. (laughs) I I am going to represent the United States in curling, okay? It's a goal of mine. It's, it's, I, don't, I don't have the year picked out exactly, but I think you can do it uh, until you get older. So I think it's a good one to choose. And you might ask, you might be surprised to learn this about me today. And you might go, I mean, have you learned all the rules about curling? Like, no. I mean, I've seen it on TV, but that, that's all I know. Have you read a book about curling? Again, no. 
I've, I've seen all I can see on TV, and that's good. And you might even wonder, well, Kale, where do you do curling here in the Metroplex? Is there a coach? Is there a place you do that? I wouldn't know. I haven't Googled it. <laughs> and now you might say, now you said you wanted to make the Olympic curling team, but nothing in your life says that you want to do that. And church, I wonder if the outside world sees us the exact same way. I wonder if we profess things with our lips here and we walk out and they even know. We say, look at all these accomplishments. Look at all of this on my resume, everything that I've done before. And they go, we can't even see it. We don't even know. There's so many things that we, that we put our pride in, that we put our hope in, that we stake our reputations on. And Paul says, it's worthless. It's garbage. And he'll continue, says, there's only one thing that's worth anything. Verse 10, I want to know Christ. Yes, to know the power of his resurrection, participation in his sufferings, and become like him in his death. And so somehow attaining the resurrection from the dead, the only thing worth anything is knowing Jesus Christ. And I love how Paul lines out this passage, this section right here. He says, I want to know the power of the resurrection. And we talk about this a lot, don't we? I want to know what that, the story is. I want to know what it's done in other people's lives and what it can do in my life too. And we also got to go to the other end. And we remind ourselves often, as we should, that you have hope in the resurrection. That you have a place with him. That your citizenship isn't here anymore, but it's with him. But church, we oftentimes bypass this middle part. And he says, I want to participate in his sufferings, become like him in his death. This is the message we heard last week from Tim. Tim laid out Philippians chapter 2 and said, Jesus, who could consider equality with God, gave that all up. He took on the posture of a servant, and he was obedient to death on a cross. And if you call yourself disciple, if you call yourself Christian, if you're going to follow the story of Jesus, that has to be our story. That we participate in his sufferings. We become like him in his death. And yes, church, you have a place in the resurrection. That your life will be new. But church, Easter is around the corner. And we've been praying over that day. We've been thinking about that day. We want you to be here. We want you to invite others. We want to celebrate in the empty tomb the power of the resurrection. However, there can be no new life if there is not first death. We cannot go straight to Easter without going through Good Friday. And that's not only for Jesus, but that is our story to share in as well. That just like Paul says all throughout this book, I want to be with Christ. To die is gain. That's his posture and that should be ours as well. He'll continue this thought in verse 12. Not that I have already obtained all this or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what's behind, I strain towards what's ahead. Press on towards the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. This is your story. We have things in our past. We have things that bring us guilt and shame, things we don't want other people to know about. We also have the other side. 
We have the things we want to put on our resume. We want to share with others. The things that we, we were so proud of. And Paul says, you put all of that behind you. You strain towards what's ahead, which is Jesus Christ reaching out to you. He has this new life for you that he is freely offering you. His grace enables us to leave those things in the past and to look forward. Paul, this is also a common theme for him, something he wants you to know and to take hope in always. Like he says in 2 Corinthians 5, if anyone is in Christ, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, the old has gone, and the new is here. And church, that's your story today. And you might have forgotten that story. You might be in a season in life that it's been hard to remember that you are a new creation. That's what Jesus is offering you today. He's outstretching his arms so that you would remember who you are. You are a citizen of heaven. You leave that behind you. A couple years ago, there was a group of people in a town in West Texas, an interfaith council. Ministers from churches all over the city came together and they said, what can we do to really impact our city? What can we do together? And what they said is, let's pool our money together. So they, they gathered about $50,000. And they went through this nonprofit working in their town that would clear any medical debt that had reached collections. And they put that $50,000 to work clearing about a million dollars worth of debt. They didn't, they didn't know who it went to. They didn't set up interviews. They just, if there was a debt to be paid, they paid it. Can you imagine if you're on the other side of that? If, if week after week, month after month, this stress, this anxiety, this burden was on you because you couldn't pay it, it's at collections, you're not paying it. Thinking about what is this going to do to our life and then all of a sudden, letter comes in the mail and it says that debt that you had, it is no more. That debt is gone, it's been paid in full. And church, the same is true for you. Before you knew that you needed it, or that before you asked for it, Jesus Christ paid your debt in full. You are that new creation. So our hope for you this morning is that you will reach out and take hold of him who is reaching out to you. Again, as I said at the beginning, we want you to take a next step. Our shepherds and their wives will be around the room today. And again, I don't know how you came in here today. You might have already taken on Christ. You might have already made that decision, but you might be in a season where you've forgotten that you are that new creation. Let us walk with you. Let us help you back on the path that Jesus has called you for. And maybe today you've heard this. You said, I have never accepted this free gift. I have, I have a debt and I want it gone. Last week we had two baptisms here. We rejoice with those families. We rejoice with those individuals. And church, we want the party to continue. And so if you have not yet accepted that today, we hope that today is the day. That you will leave all of those things in the past, both good and bad, that you will lean forward to the one that is reaching out to you. Let's take hold of Jesus Christ today.